0: This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Directors in Decline.
1: Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world. We're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge.
2: Should I give it all up?
1: So
0: Quentin Tarantino has said that he is going to quit filmmaking after 10 films. Because, in his view, once you get to a certain age, once you've made a certain number of movies, you stop being good and you need to just cut it out. And uh, I've heard a lot of people say that's stupid. And I've heard a lot of other people say that's a great idea. And I don't listen to either of them. I personally think "Eh, I don't know what you should stop after a while. Yes, yes. I don't know if it 10 films is the cutoff, but at some point, it seems every filmmaker stops being interesting because they stop having an actual story to tell. Martin Scorsese being the weird exception. He seems to always have something to say, and he says it very well. And that's also worth saying. These directors are all technically great filmmakers. You know, they could probably m- make a, uh, an Isuzu commercial that would kick the ass off of anything. But as filmmakers telling a story, a lot of them need to cut it out. And we're going to we're going to, I guess, let loose on them this week. Because we've made so many goddamn films, right? I think that's probably the one thing about this show that bugs me this week. It's not like we've done anything with our lives. We just criticize junk on a podcast. Thank you for listening, though. Let's hit it. Well, a hip hop, a hippie do the hibby to hip hip, a hoppy you don't stop, a rocket to the bang bang, boogie set up, jump the moogie to the rhythm of the boogie to be. Well, I am Eric. And to my
1: left is Brian, and to my right is Chris. What you hear is not a test. Hey, it's the magnificently huge podcast. Yeah, or the the, word. Stu-
3: the stupid hill gang, as we like to call ourselves.
1: <laughs>
0: word,
3: word to your mother, if I may.
0: See so. how we got to the intros like real fast
3: this week. We did it because yeah, Eric, Eric, you're on the ball. Good job, you're on the ball. Jesus, we suck. Word, at this. still. I'm just going to keep a- saying that. Word. Word. <laughs> S- word. Um, uh, yeah. I assume it's everything's still hot where you are. Oregon's on fire. Uh,
1: it's actually like in the 70s in Phoenix this week, and we've what? got rain. And it's Ooh. not like monsoon rain. It's like normal rain, and we get everything else. So I think we did a freaky Friday wait. with Portland on weather. Hey, wait, whoa, what whoa, I whoa. I like, happened? Like the highs in the 70s? Yeah. What? Yeah, it was like a high of eighty-one yesterday in July. It's all
0: part of the the in global July. global warming disaster stuff. Everything yeah. is kooky, freaky.
3: Yeah, Ugh. I mean, they, yeah. they've had Nothing heat waves
0: in Siberia.
3: That's scary. Well, that heat wave that rolled through a few weeks ago, like where it was like one hundred and fifteen or whatever, up in the northwest territory of Canada, and like uh-huh. like oysters were actually boiling in the sea (laughs) because it was so hot i mean it's like what in the hell is going on uh yeah well
0: i think i think we need to stop it with the concerns of how to fix global warming and start building uh um uh uh uh, space stations you know i think we need to start thinking about escape we we've we've left the hole in the boat for too long and bailing out is no longer an option?
3: Well, I mean you've got like Bezos doing his rocket ship that looks like a phallus. I mean that's mm. where we're headed, so it's really just gonna be the people with all the money get to leave the planet. It's Blade Runner, essentially. How
0: how 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 amazing, though, is that quote of his? I, I can't think of anything better to do with all this money I have. Really? <laughs> yeah, you can't except, think of anything. Yeah, what a dick. Except to end hunger, pay your workers, Car- give them insurance. Carnegie at least built
1: libraries, you cunt. Jesus.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well.
1: <laughs> and- yeah, what was it? Um, you know, when... W- some somebody posted on on uh, social media was it was like you know when, when my dad was a kid he got to watch uh, Neil Armstrong land on the moon and when I'm a kid I get to work you know at, in a at, for Uber and watch Jeff Bezos shoot himself into space you know <laughs> just ooh we're inspired yeah. kids
3: yeah
1: love it it's it, yeah anyway. it's like
0: like like money has just gone too far. I I mean, (laughs) how it used to be like the audacious thing to own a Hummer or a Learjet or something like that. And and now it's I'm in space. That's the level of rich I'm at, motherfucker. Okay. (laughs)
3: well, it's not even like real space. It's like the edge of space. It's like you've got billions of dollars and you couldn't even get into real space. It's I mean like, tell come on, that to man. John
1: Glenn, right? Like, yeah. you know, putting people in orbit, yeah, okay, maybe it's not quite orbit, but still it's <laughs> I mean, it's significant.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's like I saw that in the beginning of the right stuff, Jeff Bezos, and I'm not impressed. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Everything oh, is t- like <laughs> he,
0: he became the dick of the world almost overnight, didn't he? Got yeah. got got caught cheating, had had a huge divorce, and uh and, and wouldn't let his people unionize. Yeah, it's like, Man. He's so. I I
1: think we should take his space dreams further. And can we can we all get behind shooting Jeff Bezos directly into the sun? <laughs> like, let's send him into space for real.
3: I just I just want to see that movie now. It's like the somebody does a movie about a billionaire who decides to go into space and then get Will Ferrell to star in it, and just everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's what we need. That's the movie that will give us what we need right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, okay, wait, wait, wait. I know. Why don't we make sure that, that any experimental spacecraft from here on out has to be manned by a billionaire? Just, you know, to test it out.
3: <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, well,
1: all right. I don't know.
3: Have we had enough of this? Can I, we get on with yeah, the show? I think yeah. so. Fresh
1: shit. Let's do it. it. Let's do the fresh, fresh shit.
2: Fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh. <sighs> Fresh. This stuff is really fresh.
3: Okay, so fresh shit, Chris. What you got? Lay it on me. Uh, something that's actually very appropriate for our just uh, current conversation. I watched The Hunt with uh, Betty Gilbert oh and too. Mike Barinholtz. That is a nasty that's my little fresh piece. Yeah, that is a nasty little piece of work. I, I guarantee. Ooh, oh. What is it? I, I don't know it. It's, okay, uh, so a bunch yeah, of or... rich people,
0: okay, like rich left wing people, like 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 these sort of uh, uh, elite, educated, and and you know, like high high end job people, end up having a human hunt of right wing sort of you know Red- rednecks, rednecks, yeah, gun okay. nuts, okay, uh, 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 you know right wing politician daughters and and they they you know have a human hunt and one of the people on the hunt is actually you know a a uh, um former soldier who knows how to do this shit and hunts them back um but it's it's very sort of it's it's not even satire it's like full-on obvious (laughs) left versus right and nobody is likable
3: yeah it's (laughs) it's Mm. and it it came out well, it was gonna get released in like 2019, but it was the release date happened right when all the El Paso shootings and stuff hit, so the studio got really skittish, and pulled it. Uh, and then it just has basically sat on a shelf for like two years, and then they finally released it to streaming. I think it's on HBO Max is where I saw mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. But it's just it's co-written by Damon Lindelof, uh, and it's Which kind is of weird. Yeah, but it's got a very hardcore Lost structure to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can totally see this is like the yeah.
0: The way, I'm sorry. The way it starts is with uh, Emma Roberts uh, like wearing a, a a bondage gag in the middle of a field, just waking up, and it's like the beginning of Lost. Yeah, with uh, you know, that guy just waking up, and I thought they were on an island just yeah. because the the intro is so lost. What's cool yeah. about this film though are the number of known actors who get killed wicked fast. You know, yeah. it's like there <laughs> yeah, I, I we're watching this and we're watching Emma Roberts stumbling around and I'm like, wait a minute, this is like um Oh boy, why can't I Oh names hurt head. Um Is it even worth <laughs> like trying to No, to, keep going. Yeah. It's <laughs> It, no 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 I'm 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 padding out the runtime so that I can Drew Barrymore she's Drew Barrymoreing from the beginning of Scream you know where it's yeah. like you think oh she must be part of this film she's totally not They do that over mm. and over
3: yeah. Um it's basically it's don't ever give your own allegiance to one of the characters because they nobody is safe in this fucking movie it's just incredible that everybody's just throwaway they don't care Yeah uh, which really Betty, ups the stakes. It's quite interesting.
0: Best best performance uh, uh, ever by Betty Gilpin. Yes. I'm a big fan a- of hers. Agreed. But she does so much just with her face. Just just so many the best reactions <laughs> to what people are saying or what's yeah. going on. Where I'm not sure if they even wrote a line for her, and she just said, "Nah, fuck it. Let me let me just do this visually."
3: Yeah. But it's like continually. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. but it's it's just. It's a nasty little piece of work because, like Eric said, nobody is even likable, really. Uh, Does it take sides?
1: In, in no. Because it? it sounds like it's gone with like huge caricatures in both directions. It's, huge it's, caricatures it's, in both directions. Is yeah. yeah.
3: And very, okay. very archetypal stuff. Uh, but where it's different from your normal movie like this, like a Battle Royale or whatever, that's literally just poking its nose at... The, the idea of the liberal elites that the Republicans have this idea of. And it's literally mm-hmm. like this weird perception of that just turned on its head. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, of course they do this fucking Republican yeah. or liberal elites and blah, blah, blah. And it's just this. And, yeah, and what's funny is they're hunting people who are the liberals
0: concept of what, you know, that the they keep calling them you know rednecks. But really, it's, you know, a guy who lives in New York, but has a lot of guns. Yeah. There's another, you know, another one who, you know, wrote angry letters about stuff has a podcast, you know, like all these, y- 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 you know, conservative kind of wackos. No, nobody is likable. <laughs> and yeah. there is hmm. a twist as to why and how this all started that I did not see coming. And I thought it was very smart. Uh, I-, I loved it because it was, it did not, it did not hold back on the violence you know, it's very violent, but, but yeah. in a hilarious kind of way. It's, um, yeah. It's basically like if... heads big blown apart. Yeah. I I mean, yeah,
3: go. It's, yes. it's like if Battle Royale were done as a comedy. That's kind of what it is. Uh, hmm. But it's just, it's so over the top and just so acerbic from start to finish. But Betty Gilpin just kicks so much ass. It's just, I was not prepared for it. And it was astonishing. I'm like, this is a great test reel for her to be just in some, it's like a Marvel thing or something. I mean, somebody, please cast her in another action role that's got a wider release because she's phenomenal. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: Uh. This sounds like a really well-made movie that I don't want to watch. Oh, you'll want you you to see it. You'll enjoy you it. you uh, it. It's, yeah, it's a I don't know. It's a bitter Watch little the pill. Watch goddamn movie. Yeah. Watch it. It's fun. Watch it.
3: Uh, <laughs> but, but speaking of, too, because the other thing I watched this week, that just because I was bored because ennui is just intense in my life right now because of pandemic bullshit. Uh, I finally watched Birds of Prey, the blah, 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 whatever Harley Quinn movie. Okay. And oh. Mm-hmm. Ooh.
0: Oh. I was you finished it?
3: Yeah. How did you finish it? I was actually... Surprised, I w- I oh, no. enjoyed it. I watched
1: it. that one. I was in the theater. I, yeah, no.
3: I mean, it's like let's be fair. It's like it's Me Too, capital Me Too, on its sleeve from start to finish, uh, and it's not subtle at all about any of that sort of thing. But I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised because I, I don't like the Harley Quinn character, which is why I never saw it. But I think because yeah. I saw the cartoon show on HBO Max, that sort of maybe softened it a little bit for me so i wasn't as like Ugh. so by the I time can't. i got this, to this this is was... not
1: anywhere near as good as that oh, cartoon no, 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 but no. but the woman who was from scott pilgrim what was her character's name like huntress I don't know, black canary or something no she huntress. was huntress yeah she was awesome like you know just just so jaded yeah.
3: well i like that they just they committed to the idea and went with it because not one single male character in this entire movie is even remotely Uh, nice or tolerable Mm -hmm. or anything other than just a total asshole. And I thought it was a nice way to commit to that because it's just this relief versus the, the women characters who are just kicking ass and taking names in the whole nine yards. I mean, it's a B movie. It's, it was not anything I had any real hopes for. I was just, like I said, bored, but I was kind of pleasantly surprised, which I'm still astonished at Uh,
1: what I watch it again.
3: Uh, maybe not.
1: I, yeah, I haven't had any desire to watch it a second time, but, yeah. you know.
3: But it was... I,
0: the- I hope someday to be able to finish it, I guess, but once I, you know, saw Harley Quinn has a job as a uh, a Merc, I was like, oh, fuck you! No, that's, <laughs> she, not, she, that's, that's not, not really She's supposed to be off her
2: tit.
3: She just basically wrote a bunch of random stuff on a business card, and Merc was just one of them. So she's not really anything. Uh, she's just kind of floundering through this movie with no plan, which I guess is the way her character mind operates. But whatever.
1: Mm. I mean, uh, it feels like an entire movie designed around the idea that we want to do more stuff with Harley Quinn, but we're not required to keep the Joker in the movies. Yeah, that that seemed like the whole the whole point of this film. Exactly. Well,
0: it was a Margot Robbie uh, project. I mean, she's the one who was yeah. like, you "Yeah, know, let me make a Harley Quinn movie," and.
3: And they they did. This is they what we did. Got. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just interesting that the the DC movies that are not about the big three are actually more fun to me than yeah Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. I just I yeah. I
1: can't wait for the James Gunn Suicide Squad this summer. Well, that's, and like that's my most anticipated film yeah. of the summer.
3: Well, that's in like a week and a half,
1: which is another reason yeah. I watch
3: this. I'm like, well, d- I probably don't need it to understand harley quinn no arc, i'm sure you but don't <laughs> i might as well just load it up and get it over with you know
0: nice uh, to see that all the suicide squad previews kind of suck because that yeah. means the movie is going
3: to be kind of good going well, back to the
0: old test yeah. of a, a preview
3: well it's it seems to be because <laughs> james gunn is doing it the studio probably doesn't have any clear idea how to market it <laughs> effectively uh well, so you know
1: in interviews, James Gunn has been saying things like, I deliberately sought out, like, the shittiest characters in the DC comics, and I'm like, I want to make a movie about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, Polka Dot Man is heavily featured, you yeah. know, yeah. because it, it, he sucks.
3: It definitely feels like they're, they're, they're sort of setting up an option where they could do a movie about the Great Lakes Avengers or the West Coast Avengers or something yeah. just so, so utterly dumb, uh, but it would still fit within the canon. So, who knows? but yeah it's it's been a weird week of uh watching women kick ass and um i'm all for it so that's what i did boom
1: all right what about
0: you brian what you got
1: uh i got a few things a couple of movies um i went and watched the right the first one i'm gonna call out because it was i'm still don't quite know what my reaction to this movie is um a movie starring Kevin Klein from 2010 called *The Extra Man*. Uh, Kevin Klein, John C. Riley, and Henry um, Oh, I can't remember her name now. But the the first Rachel Dawes from *The Batman Begins*. It was married to Tom Cruise, uh, Katie Holmes. Um, none of whom are the lead. The the lead is this other guy who who just completely forgotten his name. But anyway, *The Extra Man* was done by the same writer-producer that did um, American Splendor. And it's it's one of those movies where the characters are aspiring writers and you can hear the aspiring writer writing the screenplay, putting way too much florid language in the mouths of these characters because he's in love with his own writing. And that kind of takes me out of it. It kind of doesn't have a plot so much as it's just a character study. It's just a bunch of characters. Um, Was this like so, a like something uh, at
3: at your local art house that you just were bored? It's into?
1: definitely a Magnolia Films art house movie, but it's really a Kevin Klein vehicle. I, I saw it on Amazon Prime. You can you can see it there for free. It's Kevin Klein chewing scenery as this guy who is an extra man at high society events. So when they have uh, a mismatch between the number of women and men, you know, he is the extra man who sits at the table and he's just this, this guy who puts on airs, who's, who's absolutely broke ass. He has no real job. He's just a grifter really. Um, You know, at one point um, the, the lead character is who's, who's this guy who, uh, who gets kicked out of his teaching position and ends up renting the, uh, a room from this from Kevin Klein? says to him, says, you know, you have a strange hold over people. And he says, it's my constant disapproval. Some find it fatherly. And that's the kind of character he is. He's just this bombastic <laughs> character. It's a lot of fun to watch Kevin Kline choose senior, but at the end, it's kind of, what was this movie about? Why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, um,
3: well, he gets a lot of weird work. Like... I know you guys don't watch Bob's Burgers, but you really should because he's one of third sort of the secondary characters. He's the landlord, uh, who's okay. this like rich old eccentric guy who's a total asshole, <laughs> but still somewhat likable. But it's Kevin Klein doing the voice, uh, and it's quite fun. So I pretty much anything he's in, I enjoy on some level.
1: Yeah, I, I you might enjoy it. It's kind of a hangout with Kevin Klein movie, I guess, of sorts. It's, okay, it's fine. It's eh. Um, and then a different star vehicle I watched on a different streaming service I uh, fired up a 2020 movie from Drew Barrymore called The Stand-In. Hmm. Okay. So The Stand-In, the Drew Barrymore is playing two roles. She's playing this one character who's kind of a Melissa McCarthy take or something, this sort of one-note person, uh, comedic star, and her stand-in. And the comedic star like goes on one of these like onset rants that goes viral and ruins her whole career, and this is about the stand-in finding a way to kind of revive that career by being the stand-in. But originally, the stand-in is hired by the actress to go to rehab for her, um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, okay. it's um, it's a movie in which. Every character is really flawed. Like there is no clear good guy or bad guy. Everybody kind of sucks. All all across the board, you know, TJ Miller is her, is her agent in this. Um and as such, I got to say because all the characters had f- serious flaws, I thought that the movie was more predictable than it turned out to be. The movie actually surprised me, and that was kind of nice. But it's mostly the movie it sounds like it is. You know, it's it's Drew Barrymore getting to play <laughs> a total raving bitch and a total uh, a more complicated character in the stand-in character. Anyway, does she um, does she deliver lines with the Drew Barrymore inflection?
2: Mm.
3: i don't know <laughs> what very more inflection is
1: i You'll, mean she has to use two very different voices be, to, to differentiate okay. the characters i'm just saying she, most of her dialogue And
0: now i'd like to introduce my
1: next guest <laughs> joseph gordon levitt <laughs> yeah that's um, of thing more so as the stand-in character i guess the the actual star is almost more Winona Ryder in the last two shots of Heathers you know just completely doesn't give a shit anymore um and I think that that's where she has the most fun is just cutting loose with that character okay but I've been spending most of my time on a couple of video games with some similarities I've been I finally pulled the trigger on a game called Bloodborne which is a PS4 game made by the same people that make Dark Souls and Demon Souls, but this is like a gothic horror take on that kind of game. And goddammit, these games get in your head. And I think I understand why. Um, they're all notoriously difficult games. Like, the the tiniest grunt, you know, just... nothing character you know the the goons can totally kill you in like two hits in any of these games um but it's the reason it's fun first of all there is the the thrill of like finally beating the stupid game and going yeah die game i beat you um but there's (laughs) also the the game in german i i think it's the i think it's the dopamine hit you get from learning right cuz you're really learning in how to beat that game and then you get the thrill of actually succeeding at the thing you've been learning and so they're they're just addictive as hell these these brutal punishing evil games and I'm bashing my way through bloodborne um highly recommended i had been waiting for it out of spite because like every game from the last generation on the new consoles has been getting a performance boost. Like the frame rates are higher or something. And Bloodborne is having none of that. It's like, no, the performance still sucks. We're not patching it too bad. And (laughs) so I kind of came up with a stupid workaround. My TV has one of those settings that you should always turn off on your TV, which is that setting they have at the Best Buy where they have, like, the AI algorithm that doubles the frame rate and makes everything look like a soap opera. Turns out, if you turn that feature on when you're playing this game, you can kind of get the illusion of a raised frame rate in your video game, even though it's still not running at that frame rate, but at least it makes it feel a little smoother. So, pro tip, if you've got a game with shitty performance, maybe try that feature you really shouldn't use on your TV out. (laughs) it's like why do they put all those things on a tv if nobody ever uses them that's what i don't i i don't know what who that's for exactly well it turns out it's for older video games As i've decided anyway Okay. um, okay but the other game that i've been playing which is a an indie game that just came out it's called death's door and death's door is like a toned down for the masses only costs like 17 bucks game that learns from how these these Soulsborne games are designed, and it's just charming. You're this little crow who works for the Grim Reaper office, and it's uh, sort of one of those isometric views. So everything's kind of a three-quarters perspective, and it's a cross between the Dark Souls game design and a Zelda game. And you're basically this crow that has to run around and and collect the souls of the dead um it's shorter, it's cleaner the camera won't make you know motion sickness people sick and it's cheap. I highly recommend it it's it's polished as hell uh it's really fun to play death's door It's out for like everything can I and get finally it on that's the, the end of my fresh hit Can I get it on the ColecoVision? vision Probably not. Damn it. But you don't have a Coleco vision, so <laughs> you don't know that. This is what happens. I mean, the problem with me is I'm coming up to the show with these video game things, and you poor guys have no frame of reference, and you're just like, uh... I don't know.
0: I've I've known Chris for years, and I think his outlook on life is very Coleco. He definitely has a Coleco vision.
3: Yeah, mm. it's it's sort of an astigmatism wow. almost, but. I've got a prescription and a salve. I'm doing good. Yeah.
0: I'm a bit more well-read, so I have an Intellivision, I think.
3: <laughs> oh, Who am I to say good? There God, it is. God, if I could reach through this phone
1: right now. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, other than the hunt and some dad jokes, uh, you got any fresh shit?
0: Yeah. Uh. So I've got a conundrum. I've I've been watching Lovecraft Country on HBO. Yeah. And okay. It's very good. It's it's very bloody. But I, 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 I'm not quite sure I know how I feel about a show that uses the actual horrible things that happened to black people in the 1950s as a backdrop for a TV show. You know, that's not about those things. Well, it's, it only got one season, season,
3: so I think you're okay.
0: It's not like I'm checking my white privilege. You know, it's not that. It's like... Okay, all these things that happened, uh, you know, like um, the, the the race riots in in, uh, in in Oklahoma, yeah, yeah, very bad. Everyone, you know, like like no argument. But doesn't that kind of lessen the the historical impact of all these things when it's done so that we can have Lovecraft monsters show
3: up? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, does so it plays it a little different than something like The Watchmen which opened yeah. with the Tulsa riots. Okay. I
0: think, I think, well, I think the Watchmen same, same thing. Kind of, you know, it's like good, good for them for, I guess, using the historical reference. That's the part where I have the problem. Is that like at the same time I'm going, well, why the fuck not? There's all sorts of historical bad things that are used as a backdrop for entertainment, you know, right? Like world war two was a, you know, a, a technological murder nightmare that was turned into a shitload of movies right? hogan's heroes yeah, <laughs> yeah. kelly's <laughs> heroes uh yeah. inglorious bastards you know yeah. everything you, and, and and this was not you know fun <laughs> it's almost like the movies have made everyone think world war ii was kind of a rip in good time when really it was the most horrible thing that ever happened yeah
3: yeah. But if there's one thing that Jerry Lewis and Roberto Benigni have proven, it's that you can't make a Holocaust comedy. Ah! So, at least we got that going so, for us.
1: I'm going in the other direction, which is, if I want my Lovecraftian horror, I'm going to prefer to chop it to death with an axe in Bloodborne than feel bad about, you know, my white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it,
0: it is a very good show, and it's, it's, it's brilliantly cast. Uh, I don't know who this Jonathan Majors actor is, but he's tortured
3: throughout the thing. He's, and he's the he's the, name. He's the guy yeah. that
1: they cast as Kang the Conqueror at the end of Loki. Yeah. Um. Oh. So he's got, he's a Marvel guy now. He's going to be a, one of the bad guys. And I think okay, the well, wicked
3: and, talented and uh what's her name Journey Smollett Bell, I think yeah. is her name. Who was also in Birds of Prey? And I was watching Birds of Prey, and I'm like, "Who is the? Why have I seen her before?" She's the the girl from Roll Bounce, which is a movie that uh, if it's ever on TV, I will just stop and watch, no, no bones about it. And so it was just weird because I was telling my wife about that. I'm like, "Yeah, it's the girl from Roll." Bounce. she's like, "Oh, she's in that Lovecraft Country show." Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So.
0: And Courtney Vance is in it. Who is always fun. Uh- He's, he's, he's always sort of the, the paternal good guy True. and, uh, the, the, uh, Michael K. Williams, the guy from, um, The Wire, Omar, uh, okay. is it, it's, it's a great cast. It's, it, it, and it is very creepy in, in a Lovecraft kind of way. They got that, that part, right. You know, the, it's not just violent. It's, it, it it's unsettling,
2: you know? At the Mm -hmm. same
0: time, you know, it's, I, I, I guess I like the fact that they, they go against Lovecraft's, you know, shittier tendencies and instead make it, you know, they, they, you kind of need to use these politics in order to say, no, we're not about that. We're about this, (laughs) we're, we're taking a better, uh, outlook on life than he had, right? Okay. Um but Yeah, it's does, a good when, show.
3: When does Cthulhu show up
0: though? Oh, I haven't finished it. I'm oh, hoping.
3: Okay. I did like assume. a couple
0: months okay. a couple months ago I watched uh Underwater that 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 one uh mm-hmm. thing that uh what's her name from K-Stu um, I'm just going Kristen Stewart. Up. Kristen
3: Stewart. Kristen Stewart.
0: Yeah. Uh Kristen Stewart was in and and they never say it but that's
3: Cthulhu. <laughs> Okay. Every it's, time someone says Cthulhu, it, I think it's like a sneeze. Bless you.
0: Cthulhu. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: They, they they have a Cthulhu that shows up, but they never call it that. Uh, okay. In, incidentally, Underwater is worth watching, even if it is an alien knockoff. It's like there are a lot of alien knockoffs, but this one at least is good, and you get to see T.J. Miller ripped in half. <laughs> Which so, I don't mind at all.
1: Anytime anybody talks about Cthulhu... Mm-hmm. I hear the commentary track from an episode of the new Twilight Zone written by Harlan Ellison, where Harlan Ellison goes off about how the correct pronunciation is Koodaloo. and I'm like, <laughs> "Good for you, Harlan Ellison," but nobody else says that. Yes, yeah, seriously. Some Koodaloo, Lovecraft. That's <laughs> that's some Lovecrafty level at the-
3: mansplaining. Jesus.
0: I'm looking at the spelling of this right now, and there's one T. In the whole thing, and it's the second letter. There's no way this thing is kootaloo. Well, cool. oh wait, Kutulu. Go- wait, coot-o-tooloo, coot-o-tooloo, coot-o-tooloo. Yeah, Kutulu. Co-
2: <laughs>
0: Kutulu. You know what? <laughs> well, I think take it right. up with
1: Harlan Ellison. Seriously, but I think I think he's wrong. Right? It. That's that's I'm one sure of those Cthulhu. things like the the creator of those little animated images on the internet thinks that we should all be pronouncing it gif, but everybody says gif. Yeah, right. yeah it it's, you know, it's it is
3: GIF because it's graphical, interf- blah, blah, blah. It's exactly. Like, it's like, I'm not saying GIF. Are you an idiot? No. I love how people <laughs> cite the guy who created it saying,
0: well, he says it's supposed to be GIF, so it's GIF. I'm like, yeah, but he didn't invent the letter G, okay? Yeah. He did not figure out <laughs> pronunciation guides. Exactly.
3: So fuck him. Uh, I'll say GIF all day long if I want to. Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. I'll
0: slap anybody who tries to tell me differently. Come on, try <laughs> it. lose.
3: Jif, Jif is a freaking jar of peanut butter, you asshead, uh. and that's spelled with a J. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Do you also say JPEG? JPEG, JPEG, <laughs>
1: JPEG, JPEG, JPEG. In the original French, yeah, JPEG, JPEG.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, this devolved fast. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: that's it for fresh shit. We're done. Yay. Remind me what this show is about again, Eric. This show
0: is just a discussion, should be quick, I think, uh, about whether or not directors uh, basically lose their mojo and, and should just stop at some point. The way uh, 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 Quentin Tarantino is, because his whole thing of 10 films is, I'm not going to allow myself to become old and irrelevant the way it seems everyone else who makes films does. Yeah the exception being martin scorsese and my my argument is once you run out of stories to
3: tell you should stop trying to tell stories well here's my thinking on it because i was looking at a few directors that sort of end of career were not quite their uh, lustry selves and mm-hmm. it's it sometimes it seems it's less a matter of them losing their inspiration and more a matter of just the the world and tastes around them shift and they just aren't able to fill that new void for whatever reason mm-hmm. and so it's not always their lack of ability it's just that they're still working in this sphere whereas the other spheres now what's taking off and they can't really keep up so it's sort of like mm. when, when folk rock plugged in uh, some folk music couldn't handle it because they didn't want to plug in so, so you're
1: saying that they just get old and and the popular culture which is focused on youth uh moves on yeah more or less okay
3: on some of them but then others i will grant you that uh they have no business uh continuing to make movies after so many it's like just yeah you should have hung it up a long time ago so right at least tarantino can recognize that in himself that he's not as talented as he thinks he is and should just yeah. stop
2: so it-
0: and, 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 yeah, maybe there's something to that, because, again, Scorsese manages to hold up, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's also sort of dedicated a certain portion of his career to those gangster movies that never seem to go
1: out of style. Yeah. I was going to say, um, does it help that he's doing period pieces?
3: Not always. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's... Uh, but he he can go from those, which are sort of his bread and butter as it were, because it's what he's known for. But then he can go do something like Hugo, which is just the total polar opposite of a Goodfellas or Casino. And it's just, and it's still a stellar outcome. It's just, he's, he's in love with the movies themselves. And I think that's probably where Mm. his greatest strength is because it doesn't really matter to him. Uh, what he's doing it's just he's always looking for whatever makes it interesting to him because the thing yeah. is he he went from like uh his early stuff with de niro and then he got the gig doing alice doesn't live here anymore which is about a single mother and he basically took the, the job so that he could kind of get into the the character a little bit more so he could learn about what it would like, would like to be a single mother. And it's not anything that's really relative to his other oeuvre. So it's just a strange mm-hmm. weird thing, but that's like his deal. And he will go like
0: years between projects because he doesn't, he's not the kind of person who needs to worry about his next gig. You know, who yeah. who's like, if mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. working all the time, then I may not be working again next year. Right, you know, Woody Allen put, used to put out a film every year and I'm sorry, most of them were shit. And yeah. I think it was just, I've got nothing else to do with my time and they will let me do this continuously, So I'm just going to keep making a movie every
3: year. <laughs> it's almost like Spielberg too. It's like, he's, I don't, he's just gotten into this weird trap where it's just, I don't understand why he's putting out the movies he's doing because it just doesn't feel like he's got any sort of uh, affinity for the stories he's telling it's just like he's just putting Mm -hmm. them out so he could put them out like ever since Saving Private Ryan that should have like been his career cap but then he's got to go on and do all these other movies that are just I mean some of them are good but they're not great they're just sort of tepid entertainments and it's like I don't understand why all of a sudden he just puts all his effort into the movies that he made in the 90s which are very stellar and then it just like all drops off a cliff once the 21st century hits
1: so spielberg the thing about spielberg is that like he always and and i don't know if it's just the the team he's built up around him or or what right but but they're always well made but you're definitely feeling the lack of passion yeah in the more recent work right but they're they're extremely competent I don't I don't you know what I mean yeah well yeah and again that's
0: that's that's somebody who's a master of his craft who really knows how to make up a film but doesn't necessarily have anything to say with it that's always sort of in my criticism of Steven Spielberg is it's it's fluff you know there's there's again it's he's like their the Toyota of but,
1: film directors like yeah. he makes a quality boring product but
0: I don't even, yeah it or it's more like 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 if you know toyota made uh uh i don't know paper crepe decorations you don't need those yeah you also don't need (laughs) uh uh uh, indiana jones and the last crusade you just don't it's you know it's it's fluff it's fun but who cares i think it's funny that his career took this weird turn in 1993 where the same year he puts out jurassic park he puts out schindler's list Right. And it's kind of like, I am a grown-up, but I'm still a kid. And it's like, uh, uh, oh, okay. And then four years later, he does the same shit. He puts out uh, Jurassic Park 2 the same year he does Amistad. So he's basically saying, okay, I'm going to yeah. now make like my fun movies over here and my yeah. grown-up movies over here. And so this way I can sort of demand some respect I, I kind of actually thought, oh, maybe he's going to start making grown-up films now and stop it with this nonsense. No, no, no. He still makes nonsense. He just yep. makes it the same year he makes something he considers important. <laughs> War of the Worlds came out the same year as Munich. I mean, yeah, say what yeah. You so will like Munich, one for but- the
1: <laughs> one for the bleachers and one for the you know, one for the cheap seats and one for the patrons or whatever, right? Yeah. But but yeah, you never you never get the sense though that the that the serious movies he's making are necessarily movies he's passionate about. I mean, he's remaking West side story this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, the, the, every review of West side story by Steven Spielberg should just be two words and they are okay. Boomer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, it's just, it, you look at his, his slate of films in the last 20 years and it's just, there aren't any that I would consider a classic among them. I mean, just, and to think that he, he goes from, like I say, Saving Private Ryan, which is just, it should be canonized as one of his greatest movies uh, on multiple levels. But then he comes out with this 20 year stretch of just ho-hum, whatever, whatever. And it's like, are, are mm-hmm. you just doing this you're, to stay you're busy you saying now? Ready Player One isn't a classic, Chris? It's a, no, I am. <laughs> I am saying that it is far from a classic. Like anybody could have made that movie. And it would have turned out relatively the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was
1: a tech demo reel.
3: Yeah. But it's the that same was, with like... That uh, was a
1: dry run for what I, I'm told the new Space Jam is, which is just how can we put all the Warner Brothers IP on screen at the same time? Yeah. But, <laughs> which is basically, um, you know,
3: Zemeckis did that with Roger Rabbit 30-some-odd years ago and probably did it better than
1: anything Space Jam could have put out. So, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, so... I want to talk about this topic in general, right? Because Eric's yeah. his thesis was, you know, hang it up, right? There's, other than Scorsese, Unless like... Unless
0: you have something to say. Yeah. Hang it yeah. up. Yeah.
1: So, so I'm sitting here going, wow, I'm at a disadvantage because, you know, Eric has a degree in filmic writing. Chris went to film school, at least for a while. And... And so you guys are just way, way more versed in this. And I'm like, I'd better do some homework. I'm like, okay, let me see if I can disprove the thesis, right? So I'm trying to Google for late-in-the-career films that are, you know, celebrated. And, boy, did the one thing I could find was this website, (laughs) tasteofcinema.com, that has a list of, you know, 10 late-career masterpieces – and I don't even know who these directors are. <laughs> yeah, I think but I saw Jacques the same Demi list: Demi, yeah. and Agnes Varda, and Claude <laughs> Chabrol. I'm like, okay, you win, yeah. Eric? Your thesis holds.
3: <laughs> well, you look at stuff like uh, like Akira Kurosawa. I mean, the man lived into his what, what 80s, and uh, mm-hmm. he he was still cranking out like very solid, competent, sometimes yeah. mind blowing movies. But then you look at somebody like Alfred Hitchcock who had like, he moved to Hollywood in the like 1940 and then began his string of just stone cold fucking classics. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And then you get through his golden period in the fifties. And then by the time you get to psycho, it's like, what do you do next? Well, you do the birds, which is okay. It's still good. But then everything after that is just like, why did you bother? It's like, it's all just bleh. And, and Hitchcock, he's, he's,
0: he's got it. He, he really got it bad. I mean, because he, yeah, he did some of his best work in a low budget environment. He then says, okay, I want to see what I can do with some money. Yeah. He, he makes some outstanding films. But the problem is he was so good. Everyone started picking up on what he was doing. Right. And now you show someone, you know, you show a kid a uh, torn curtain which, uh, I, I mean, it's not his best, but it's still goddamn good. You show them that and they go, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is nobody put together a scene this way before him, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It, it looks, it looks actually just very sort of standard, almost boring because it's been overused by everybody else.
3: Yeah. And so it's, it's just a weird deal and it's because he's such a stylist, uh, which maybe that's why Kurosawa gets away with it, because mm. he's his, his basic structure is different, and, and styling is different, because Hitchcock was very much about what's on screen. Everything is within a, a minute detail, uh, tailored and, f- and focused in on, and et cetera. So his are almost like,, uh, you know like puzzle boxes that he's creating for the movies. But yeah, by the time you get to the end, like family plot, it's like... You really could have just hung it up, bud. You really could have. <laughs> so it's, I, yeah, it's hard. Yeah.
0: I mean, at the same time, though, Kurosawa was sort of stuck in, uh, you know, that 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 samurai genre for a yeah. lot of his career. Yeah. And so it was. I liked watching the films that came out later that weren't that. You know. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, it's like the the stuff in the '50s, '60s that he was doing, which were like the contemporary urban dramas. Like high and dry or any of that stuff, uh, I mm-hmm. almost like better, uh, but the samurai ones are just flashier, I guess. By the time you get to like yeah. Ron, it's just oh my god! Like the colors there, the blood, the gore, the scope. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just phenomenal.
0: Ron. Ron is genius. I mean, it's just. But but what I love about Ron is that it's it's the culmination of all the stuff we've seen him do. And right. he's just saying, okay, here it is. Here is the the big, big one. And I'm fucking done. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's it. Because then, then it's Dreams and Rhapsody in August, which I, I love them both. But those are two films by a guy who knows he's done. Yeah. You know? it's Well, it's, it's, it's the same. It's not, it's not like he's going off in a new direction. It's yeah. more like he's, you know, he's writing his coda. and yeah. And it's the same thing, actually, with, the really great filmmakers, uh, I mean, Fellini and Berkman did the same thing where it was like they just said, I'm done. Here's, here's my sign off piece. Yeah. Federico uh, 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 out. Mic drop. <laughs> and <laughs> La Voce della Luna is one of his best films and it's his last film, but it's Fellini. You know, he, he really was. As good as people say. Bergman was like, I'm going to go back to theater. I don't need to do this movie shit anymore. I think he wrote one more film as a contractual obligation, but otherwise was out. Um, you know, the ones who are really good kind of know when to stop. They don't yeah. need to make films.
3: Well, that sort of rolls into like Billy Wilder, who's one of my favorite directors of all time. Mm-hmm. I love so many of his movies, yeah. and he's like he's like Hitchcock. He just he started in uh, the '30s, but by the time he starts directing in the early '40s, he just drops these classic after classic after classic. But it all starts to unravel in the '60s, where he still has a string of just some of the greatest movies ever made. Some like It Hot, The Apartment, One Two Three Irma La Then he does like Kiss Me Stupid, which is not received well. Dean Martin, uh, kind of too old for Kim Novak. It's a sex comedy that just sort of falls in its face. But then he follows it up with a fortune cookie, which is one of the best pairings of Matthau and Lemon ever. And then after mm. that, it's like, what is? what are you doing? He like does a Sherlock Holmes movie that is supposed to be a comedy, but is not funny at all. He does yeah. a remake of uh, The Front Page, which was the his Girl Friday. Howard Hawks had done that one in the 30s. By the time you get I, to Buddy I mean, Buddy, it's like... Pfft. So I hate to say it, but he is
0: probably the best example of somebody who ran out of things to say and was just making movies so that he could continue to make movies. Yeah, exactly. Because and the apartment is sort of his 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 apex. Everything after the apartment, things start to decline, you know, in terms of commercial interest. Yeah, it's like I, I think one, two, three is one of his best films, but. Nobody knows what the fuck it is unless they're really interested in <laughs> Billy
3: Wilder which and it's the movie that uh made <laughs> uh who's uh Cagney it's the movie that made Cagney like quit for like 20 years before he came back for Ragtime <laughs> cuz he was just so shot from everything that they had to go through to film that thing cuz it's just such a frantic yeah. movie uh oh schlemmer <laughs> oh god i love that movie <laughs> Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, and
0: and he's one of my favorites too. But yeah, he he. Do you know that after he had retired, he he was a reader. He was a script reader for the yeah. studios. Like he just wanted to be in at some level, even though he knew they weren't going to like let him make a movie again.
3: Yeah, that's just uh, better that's to crazy. burn out and fade away.
1: Uh, yeah. So what about some some current? filmmakers that are maybe getting so I think David Fincher comes up in this conversation, right? Is he will is Fincher getting old <laughs> or is he is he still you know in the prime uh, of his where are we with Fincher? I, I think That's we a might good question I think we might have seen the
3: apex of Fincher unless he finds something else to explore. Because he does the thriller really well and he's like a modern Hitchcock, very stylized he knows how to ratchet the tension, um, but brilliant
0: technical filmmaker.
3: Yeah, but I don't know. I can't really call out a a really solid like mind blower of a movie of his since like Social Network. Uh, I'm yeah. struggling to to think of something.
0: And the Social Network, honestly, it's kind of tough to judge as a Fincher film because it was written by. Um, the, 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 the... Sorkin? The, the, yeah. Sorkin, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. a Sorkin film he happened to direct. Yeah, you know. so it's,
3: it's a tough one. But parallel to that, you can be like uh, Steven Soderbergh, who theoretically retired a while ago but never really retired. And he's cranking mm. out all these just oddball projects for like Netflix and whatnot. And he still seems to have some sort of interest in making stuff. And so it may not be ground-busting blockbustery, but it's still interesting uh so i, I don't know if that factors I, in i still think the best argument
0: for just stop is uh uh clint eastwood clint yeah. eastwood is so <laughs> exactly. terrible so goddamn awful i i i just i i i i i i i i just it's i'm galled <laughs> by the career of clint eastwood as a as a filmmaker.
2: Yeah,
0: he he just makes he makes garbage that makes Clint Eastwood look good because he's always in it. And if he's not in it, then it's he's been doing a lot of 90. Yeah, 90. Retire. All right. Like, relax. You're fine. And, And yeah, he's 90. And let's see, one, two, three years ago, he made the mule about an old guy who's a drug mule and ends up having a threesome. What? <laughs> yeah, at some point in the film he has a threesome. Hell yeah. It's it's amazing. Um and, and he's he's making like biopics every other year. Yeah, like Richard yeah.
1: Jewell and all yeah. Uh, Sully, the the the, the the the
0: the guys on the train in Paris who stopped the other guy with the AK, you know, yeah. them. Okay. It's like,
1: So question question, are these good, competent, well made movies about things we don't like? Or are they bad movies? They're bad movies. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. They're
0: they're bad movies. And I think it's because it's not just, you know, I don't know about, I mean, he's, he's, I guess a competent director, but as a producer, what he's trying to make his writers do is, you know, push a, 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 a (laughs) worldview that, that doesn't have any two sides to it,
2: you know? Mm-hmm.
0: it's it's almost it, he's almost the perfect reagan era filmmaker because <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> definitely, be, definitely it's gotta yeah. be yeah it's morning in america filmmaking
1: you know
3: and it's yeah it's that, all yes, i don't want to yeah that's perfect i i don't want to say it's jingoistic but it's pretty damn close i mean it's yeah like, that's a fine line because he's just ah he makes all of these like rah-rah type movies But then you remember, like, what was it, 2008 when he's at the Republic National Convention just yelling at a fucking empty chair? It's like, you've lost your ever-loving mind, so. And it's like, and then you look at his later career stuff, it's like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah.
0: You're just, I think American Sniper is, like, the best example, you know? It's, Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I've read that guy's book, and I'm not sure I like him, you know, but this movie is definitely like, boy, what a great fucking guy. You know who yeah. hated those those towel heads. You know yeah.
3: what? <laughs> well, I'll I'll kick it in then for you, Brian. Uh, for a contemporary director that really probably should think about hanging it up is uh, Guy Ritchie, because oh yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> apart from his uh, debut with Lock, Sock and Two Smoking Barrels, followed up by Snatch, uh, the only other real highlight. Is the gentleman from 2019? The Sherlock Holmes movies, I mean, they're okay, but they're just the, studio no, blockbusters. They and they're just, yeah. So he's got an entire, like a 20-some-odd-year career, and he's only got three good movies. And it's just astonishing yeah, that he still makes it. I saw that Wrath
1: away. of Man a while back, and. Blech, blech, yeah.
3: blech. And yeah. so, it's, so that's definitely someone who just, he's just in the studio system and he's cranking them out, but it's just. Blech, blech.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: He's got a startlingly weird career, but
0: it's like, I, I almost feel like he should be like producing a Netflix show. You know, right? he, yeah. he should, he should be hiring people to make, you know, these, I, I think of, uh, rock and rolla. Right. Which I kind of liked but it was a very Guy Ritchie film. And it had a bunch of characters doing a bunch of stuff. It's the same as The Gentleman. A bunch of different characters doing a bunch of different stuff. And they're all in their way kind of interesting. Yeah, make a series where we have a bunch of people who just keep intersecting, you know?
3: Yeah. It's just... I mean, it's almost like uh, Kevin Smith, who again, uh, I don't want to bag on the guy. Everything
1: after Dogma, like whatever yeah
3: but i mean you know poor guy he's had a heart attack i mean he's gotten his life and he's a very nice fellow i've seen him talk in person on his like whatever stand-up thing and he's just an amiable fellow and he knows that he's just you know hey this is my job i mean that's you know i'm lucky to have it
1: apparently he's getting accolades for his new he-man series on yeah yeah, exactly good for you kevin smith (laughs) and
3: so he's just he's always dabbling in stuff (laughs)
0: My favorite thing of Kevin Smith, though, is talking about what a
3: cock uh, Bruce Willis is. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I saw, and I, I just randomly happened across it. It was Kevin Smith doing like a, not a up show, but basically just monologuing on stage like Henry Rollins might do. Yeah, and, as he and does. He, and he was talking about, and this is fairly recent. This is only a couple years old, I guess, from this. But he said, yeah, just one day out of the blue, like Bruce Willis just calls me up and just starts talking to me. Hey, how's it going? what's up and he's like talking to me like we're friends and it's like and this was after they did cop out and had that big falling out and he's like and so bruce is just like nothing ever happened he's like am i being punked it's like what is this my buddy <laughs> like doing a bruce willis impression i mean it's like that sort of thing and he was just very funny about the whole nine yards and he's like but at the end bruce is like well i gotta go but uh where are you where are you living in uh, la give me your address i'm gonna when i come out there i'll, I'll come by we'll hang out and he gave his address. He's like, nine months later, I still haven't heard a thing from Bruce yeah. Willis. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so I'm glad he's getting work and he can do it. But yeah, his movies just he he had a couple of good ones there, and then it was just sort of ho hum. Just stop. yeah, yeah. You you think you
0: think that the whole comic book Renaissance would have been like like tailor made for him? Yeah. And yet. I think because of, you know, his Daredevil
3: movie, he sort of shot himself in the ass. Well, you know, someone will someone will
1: give him work somewhere.
3: I but mean, he directed like
1: some episodes of Supergirl, I guess. But yeah. whatever. Uh, good for Kevin Smith for finding a way to run his mouth and, and get paid for it. <laughs> so, but, well, but you know. yeah, he doesn't need to make any more movies. He just announced they're going to make Clerks 3. Dear uh, God, why? Well, yeah, because yeah. You, you can, because that's the well you yeah. can go back to. No, because you, really- you
0: have to because you don't have anything else in the chamber.
3: Yeah. Which is, well, which reminds me of uh, Howard Hawks, legendary director of Hollywood. He gave us some like massive hits with gangster movies, Western screwball comedies, this and that, and the other. But by the end of his career, at the end of the sixties, he made (laughs) like a movie called Rio Lobo. And then he basically remade or Rio Bravo. And then he remade it as Mm. El Dorado, like seven years later. Like just remade his own movie because I guess he couldn't think of anything else to do, and then like four years later, his last movie was Real Lobo, which is basically just a ripoff of (laughs) Real Bravo and El Dorado.
1: If if you're gonna do that, I say lampshade it. Like it should be called Clerks Three and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, that was something or something. (laughs) But good. All right, have we have we reached the point where we should hang it up? I mean, <laughs> I, I I yeah, let's let's
0: do like just a round robin of the one uh uh, filmmaker we we would like
3: to personally ask to stop.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. Uh I will say Michael Bay. That's really a no-brainer for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Like just he, stop he, he J. Has J. never He's never been
1: he's <laughs> never been good. So maybe no.
0: we need to, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, we
1: need i yeah. I'm I'm going J.J. Abrams because dear God man, what yeah. have you done? Well, I mean, are <laughs> there <laughs> are there any other
3: like film franchises that the man can utterly kick in the nuts and destroy? Yeah. Oh forever? yeah, he's
1: he's taking over the DC stuff. Oh, uh, thank God! Thank he killed God. Star Trek and he killed Star Wars and now he's off to kill Superman. Yeah, good yeah. job. And like like, J. J. What's, J. J. like 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 give J., give J.J. Abrams the next
3: James Bond movie. Let's just. Let's be done. Like kill all of the Fuck sacred that. cows. Give J.J.
0: Abrams the the Bible and then we can be done with Christianity.
1: <laughs> Whoa, yeah.
0: there
3: you go. Hey, that was John be the Best. If John Houston couldn't do it, I don't think JJ Abrams <laughs> up for it. <laughs> Eric <laughs> Eric, who what's your pick right. for hang it up? <laughs> well, I, I
0: I've already said Clint Eastwood, uh and he would be the top of my list, but since I already said him, Cohen brothers, uh, reign rein it in. Come on. You haven't you haven't made anything worth watching yeah. in like over fifteen like over fifteen years. Yeah, you know, I'd say I'd say No Country and No Country was like a standout of what was already a sea of shut the fuck up.
2: <laughs> it's just so, true.
3: Yeah, I I was gonna like bring them up as well, uh, because it's just yeah. I don't know if I, I can't think of anything going back to like. Uh, like No Country, like you say, Mm -hmm. that's really worth its salt. Like I dug Ballad of Buster Scruggs that they did for Netflix, but that's a totally weird, oddball thing that's not really their normal. Yeah. It's a series of shorts, even.
0: It's not even like a film. Yeah. But for the Coen
3: Brothers, it's sort of like they do all that stuff leaning into the end of the 90s where you get Fargo, Big Lebowski, then they come out, turn the century with, Oh, brother, where art thou? But then they get into the studio mm. shit. They start doing intolerable cruelty. They do a really misguided remake of the Lady Killers.
0: Oh,
1: that was so bad. Uh, yeah, that that was bad.
0: I mean, it's just. I mean, like, like if if you haven't seen the Lady Killers, the the one time I laughed was uh, uh, when when a Wayans brother farted. That was the funny <laughs> part. I'll fart. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, No Country, I think, was very well thought out. And I didn't like it at first. It, It took a couple more viewings for me to go, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. But, yeah, like, between... The last film they made that I loved from their golden era was The Man Who Wasn't There. And everything after that was sort of referring to, you know, film culture of the
3: 50s and 60s in a way that
0: no one cared.
3: Yeah. So... I guess uh yeah better to burn out than fade away
1: yeah right all Is right well, let's burn here. it out let's end <laughs> okay, the show so we're burned <laughs> let's, let's do it i'm burnt <laughs> honestly um, i
3: could keep talking about this forever just you know keep going on no
1: no we're yeah. not gonna talk about <laughs> okay. it because okay. people are too busy uh clicking on their on their apps and subscribing to the podcast so they can hear the next episode and mm-hmm. and they're sharing and we're it. gonna tell them how to do
0: it even though quite frankly i think they know how to
1: subscribe to a podcast by now but okay (laughs) let's do it but do it like (laughs) like, seriously grab your phone and actually click the button this time would you thanks all right
0: we're not asking you for patreon money we're not asking you to buy a mattress we just want you to subscribe and and, and you know why so we can feel good about ourselves
1: yes yes and, and so stroke our egos. Hit us up on Twitter. We're Whoa. at Mag Huge, MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. <laughs> or, or let us know that we're not alone in the universe on Facebook or Instagram, where we're the Magnificently Huge podcast. Or, you know, go to our website, maghuge.com. Check out all the episodes of the show and click the link there to email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, and tell us that the void is staring back into us. Good night, everybody. Good night.
3: I'm so cold!